Cool, and we're going. Hey guys, uh, today I'm joined by a fellow strength and conditioning and uh, power athlete block one coach, John Durrett. Um, he is a co-owner of Underdog Mixed Martial Arts. John, I forgot to ask, where are you guys located? Uh, we're in West Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, okay, cool. Um, they're in West Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, we're just going to wrap about training a little bit today. Um, John's one of the, arguably the first person I've had on here extensively that's a uh, very big long-time practitioner of martial arts. I'm sure we'll go down that, talk about training fighters. Uh, we're going to talk about coaching journey, mindset, just wherever we kind of go with it. Cool? I'm, I'm in. All right. Uh, so, John, I'm just going to, like, pass it off to you. Just sort of tell us about yourself, what you do, where you're from, and sort of how you got to where you are now. Sure. So, uh, I, uh, I've lived in Connecticut most of my life. I've, uh, I've had some other homes, but this has been – I've lived here by far the longest. Um, and, uh, I got into coaching about 12 years ago, uh, as a side job when I was in college. And it was really because, well, I, I, so as, a coming out of high school, I was really out of shape. I was 315 pounds and I, I still worked out so I could do like at 315, I could do 20 pushups unbroken. Uh, I could run a 10 or 11 minute mile, which isn't bad when you're that big. No, that's, um, I, would, I would call that impressive at <laughs> that, that, that weight. Um, but, uh, but I was, you know, I, I, went, I went to the doctor one day and he was like, you've got a family history of heart disease and diabetes. So if you don't write this ship, it's going the wrong way. Uh, so I moved out of my house, which was big for me in terms of getting in shape because, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks listening know this. Uh, your family might have some nutritional habits, things like that, that aren't great for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been cool to watch. My, my whole family has gotten in shape over the last decade or so, which is really neat. But uh, it took me leaving home to be able to focus on that. And um, I also, you know, you, you alluded to the martial arts. I, when I moved out, I started training uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, which I had never really done before. And I wanted to compete. And my coach said, if you want to compete at the very heaviest, you want to be 170 pounds. Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, I had already lost some weight by then, but I kept on losing, losing, losing. Mm. And um, yeah, I was going to school for, uh, to be an English teacher. Um, but I, I spent some time on the side getting in really good shape. And then people were kind of like, hey, you train me. Could you show me what to do? And I, I started taking on some clients knowing so little back then yeah uh, my first three clients threw up on their first day you know because i had no frame of reference for for what they were doing yeah um but uh that was my first foray and then uh the, the academy i trained at which was underdog um so i started here as a student uh they had a strength and conditioning coach but he wasn't able to cover all the class times they wanted and he sort of took the time and recognized that I knew something of what I was doing. And he said, you know, hey, why don't you start working here part time and you can train for free and, and we'll make that work. Uh, so I started doing that. Um, finished school, got a job as an English teacher, hated it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that is not fair. I, my mom's an English professor and I cannot imagine <laughs> being an educator i can't imagine the, doing it 
Yeah, the, the other thing was what I really wanted to do was have an impact. Mm-hmm. And I had this interesting thing where um, I, I, I felt like I was having a better impact as a coach than I was teaching, but I couldn't make any money coaching. Um, so then this opportunity came up. Uh, a local high school was looking for a strength coach. And it was actually – so the middle school I was working at, it was that high school. Mm-hmm. I, I started working there and uh, took a pay cut but became a coach and like a hall monitor, you know. It was like my yeah. job. Yeah. Hall um, and that was really cool. That was my first real foray. And this whole time I'm going to courses and all this. And I started uh, – I coached at a CrossFit gym as well. It's whatever I could do to find ways to make money coaching. So I could put more and more hours in on that side of things. So kept on coaching and coaching and coaching for a few years and then got a big break. Um, a local college, Trinity college division three needed an uh, assistant strength coach. And so I started there as just an assistant. I was there for three years. And by the time I was done, I was the head assistant. Um, and they, they tried to keep me on, but it was just like a weird situation there. Yeah. Um, that happens. It, you know, the tough part was, was uh, what, we, what we really needed there was a bigger facility. Because um, we, were, we were, we had one head coach, three assistants, um, and the head coach only worked with football. Yeah. And then I sort of managed the other two assistants, and we worked with the other teams. But we had a 1,000 some odd kids, and the weight room was only 2,000 square feet. Hmm. So, you're, yeah. So yeah. you're there all day just running through, you know, kid at, you know, group after group after group. And it was just exhausting. And it was this room with no windows, yeah. you know, a little dungeon. And you would go in at, you know, four or five in the morning. There's no sun out. You would, especially up here in the winter, you mm-hmm. leave five, six, seven at night. The sun's not out. So I'm not getting any sunlight. You feel like it's just a weird way to live. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so eventually I, uh, I left there. And at that point, um, Russell, my business partner here, asked me to come into business with him at Underdog. And I wasn't ready for the responsibility. I was, I was scared to be a head coach at any facility. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was ready for that. But uh, I think it was two years later, I, I sort of took the plunge and was sort of like, ah, oh, well, you know what? Like, I'm as ready as I'll ever be, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff with CrossFit in between all that stuff. I ended up uh, – I was a five- or six-year uh, judge at regionals in the games. Really? Uh, yeah, I got my – CrossFit. Cool. That's cool, man. I got my CrossFit level three, all that stuff. Uh, it was one of the first level threes in the country. Actually, it was kind of a cool little – That is uh, cool. There. Uh, but what was funny was I had done the level three and also done the, the CSCS. Mm-hmm. And it was the first thing where I was like, if this is the highest they're going to let us go in CrossFit, this doesn't, this doesn't match up, right, to, to the standard of the CSCS. And that was a big uh, – and, you know, I was also a big CrossFit football guy. Yep. And we all? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you end up here. Um, yes, yeah, that's that dude. That So many of us is just like, just like yeah, CrossFit football. All yeah. the so when they, uh, when they separated and became power athlete, that was another thing where I was like, oh, man, that, that's like – so I actually told myself one day, um, 
if Power Athlete ever started up any kind of coursework, I'd be quick to sign up. And I think I was in the fourth, I think I was in the fourth online class and the sixth uh, block one group, I want to say. I think that's right. Yeah. But I know there was a gap because uh, <laughs> I did the methodology course the same month that I opened my, my, my spot here, Underdog. Yep. And, you know, Tex sends me this email like, man, you should come to Texas. And I was like, Tex, I am broke. <laughs> like, yeah. I have no money. And uh, I told him, I said, look, if you tell me when the next one is, I, I'll find a way to pay for it, you know? Yeah. And he was like, well, it's going to be in September. And so I scrimped and saved and borrowed and stole and, you know, made, made my way down to Texas. And it was funny because I, I remember being so stressed out at the end of that, that the three days. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know when I'll be able to afford to come back here. Yeah. I don't know when I'll be able to pay for this, you know, plane ticket and coming down and all this. So I was like, luckily, I, I put my best foot forward and, you know, I, I got the pass, but it was, it was stressful. Dude, so, it was, it, it, it really was. I remember my, um, my, uh, my, uh, my girlfriend came with me at, uh, on a whim at the last moment because I was packing my book bag. I was literally putting my bag on my back to walk out to my car and drive to Columbus and get on the plane and she was just like do you want me to come with you and i was like yes actually that'd be awesome if you would come with me and she just got in the car she found a flight that, that she could afford the next day and she just she just came down with me but it was like i remember she was like you know this backwards and forwards why are you so so worried and i'm like because i've come all this way right like, we, we've come all this way and we've spent all this money and and it's like you know and it, this is the thing i just i give a shit about and it's just right it's like it's stress that weekend is so stressful for the best reasons. Right, exactly. Because right. because yeah, because it matters. Yeah. And that, um, that's it. And I remember when when I finally got my block, uh Megan, my girlfriend, picked me up and she was at the end of John's like driveway. And it was dark. So I just walked down the driveway by myself. So I like I like that like <laughs> short little three minute walk by myself, which was kind of nice. It was a way to decompress. But as soon as I got in the car, I just started crying. <laughs> she was like she was like are you okay i said number one i'm really happy just number one but like number two no like, i'm just like all right did it Oof, cool it was like you suddenly feel you know 30 pounds lighter all of a sudden yeah. but yeah, yeah it's awesome man it's awesome um dude that's a that's a that's a lot that's a cool story though i like that that um i'm always really interested uh you said something that kind of always it always makes a light go off in my head that I always hear coaches, especially coaches now that have like a uh, sort of like a stable position in the field or they have like a facility of their own, or they're just sort of like, they're a professional coach. Like it's what they do. Um, it's always that idea of like, you just found a way to coach, right? right? Like you just find a way to coach. You find a way to get experience. You make the job happen. Um, yeah. I, I've got an intern right now and it's my 20. I've had so many interns, man. I think it's my 21st, 22nd intern. Oh, wow. Um, and he's, you know, one of the, we have, when I have an intern, we have a meeting yeah. and we talk about like, what are your goals and where do you see yourself and what are you trying to get out of the field? And he just sort of, you know, it's, it's cute because they're so young, but mm -hmm. he was like, oh, well, I see myself working at this local gym for a couple more years and then working with professional athletes. And I nice. was just like, buddy, like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's you know, that's that can be a hard thing to break to somebody, right? People come in, they got, ro they got rose tinted glasses on. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it happens, uh, yeah. but it, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. And we had a really, he and I had a really good talk about, you know, 
if if that if you're sure that's your goal, if you're sure that's what you want, you have to realize what that road is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I try to tell my my athletes, uh, my regular clients, and my interns is, whatever road you're going to walk down for whatever it is, weight loss, uh, getting into the, we we've put, I joked we've put two and a half fighters in the UFC. Uh, <laughs> we had we had one kid just leave our gym. And then uh, a month later, got a fight in the UFC. And we were like, well, um, Who's but, that? Uh, Parker Porter, he was just, he lost too. So he got, he lost bad. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, he was on, his loss was on the Sports Center top 10. Oh, uh, no, poor Parker. Well, the other thing was, is the reason he, the reason we broke ways with him was because, man, he had been, he'd been training here for like 13, 14 years, maybe. I don't know, a Whoa. while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he just, he's 35, 36. Mm-hmm. And we kept on telling him if, if the UFC or PFL or one of these guys calls, you're not going to have three months to get ready. Yeah. You need to, you need to take your strength and conditioning seriously now. You, and he wasn't, he wasn't doing his jujitsu. He wasn't doing his SNC stuff. Um, and he was sort of, uh, you know, bare minimum on some stuff. And he's, he's a phenomenal striker. Yeah. If he just did kickboxing, he'd be amazing. He's probably the best striker who's ever come out of our gym. He's amazingly yeah. talented. Uh, he's a heavyweight who moves like uh, a middleweight. I mean, it's unreal. He's just so, so good. Um, but that was the debate was like, I, you know, if, if this is what you want, they're going to tell you, Hey, come down in a week. And sure enough, the fight was on like 10 days notice or something. Yeah. And he had to cut like 25 pounds. That's rough. That, That's that, rough. Um, so it's just one of those things. Anyway, but uh, I, what I tell people is if, if your goal is this lofty thing, whatever it is, tell yourself at the onset that it's going to be way worse than it could be. Yes. Right. Prepare yourself for that. And so if this kid, if he wants to go coach professional athletes, I was like, man, imagine it's going to take you 10 years to get there and a mm. ton of hard work. And, you know, uh, there were times I was living in places I didn't want to live and, uh, you know, working side jobs I didn't want to work. And I spent a lot of time working at gyms I didn't want to work at with bosses I didn't agree with. Yep. But it was, it was building that resume. It was building that experience. And it put me in front of, I, you know, I've coached probably 100,000 people, you mm-hmm. know, over the years. And that's invaluable. There's no, there's no replacement for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's a big thing that I like when I talk, I've, I've had the privilege of helping develop a couple coaches, which has been really humbling and nice that somebody's come to me or someone's been recommended, like to come talk to me and be like, Hey, education's kind of his thing. Like he can help you sort of get on this track. I'm like, okay. Right. Um, and that's always a big thing that we, that like, we always end up having to talk about. And I'm like, because they usually start, they usually want to start in like CrossFit because they like, yep. I coach in CrossFit gyms for the most part. Um, and they're just like, I'm, I want to get my L1 and intern and start coaching. I'm like, okay, what I'm going to tell you immediately about your L1 weekend is you will not learn a, a single fucking thing at it. <laughs> not a damn thing. I was like, and that's not a, that's not a knock on an L1. Right. And like, I've, I've got my L2 as well. I didn't learn anything at my L2 <laughs> weekend either. Right. Yeah. I was like, everything that I learned from either one of those like courses, I learned in the study guide teaching myself and just through observation. Right. Um, and I'm like, 
So don't go get your level one and come back here. And when someone asks you a question that wasn't covered at the course, don't freak out. Don't be like, oh God, like what happened? And it's like, what you have to be willing to do is say, I don't know. And you also have to be willing to, uh, to continue to chase education on your own. And you have right. to understand that that shit's going to happen. There's going to be a moment when the coach needs to know, right? You can't just be like, you can't constantly shrug your shoulders and say, I don't know. Right. But it is okay if someone asks you a question, you give them a cue and then it doesn't fix it. If you're like, you know what, we're going to figure this out. I will have an answer for you the next time I see you. Right. I'll get back to you. That's yeah, it's that's like, it. And you have to actually have an answer the next time you see them. Um, <laughs> but people miss that, right? Like uh, there is, there's a dude back home in West Virginia that called it. Everybody just wants to wear the shirt. <clears throat> right? that's good. And, it's, and it's true. A lot of people do. A lot of people just really love the title of I'm a coach. Right. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, man, that's that can be a hard conversation to have, and that can also be a hard pill for a lot of dudes to swap for, like a lot of people to swallow, right? That yeah. idea of like, oh, you mean like I don't just make no money and intern for a few years, and then like the fucking Patriots need a strength and conditioning coach all of a sudden? You mean they don't just pick me up? And it's like, no, right. man, this is this. I specifically remember deciding that I was going to be a coach and what I was willing to commit to it because I'd been coaching at one spot. That's, I had parted ways with it. Um, and I was living on my own for the first time. And I went back to the gym that I had worked at, like worked out at originally. And they needed someone, they wanted someone to cover their shit, like their shit shifts, right? So I was doing like the 5 a.m., the, the 5 a.m., the 6 a.m., like the 7.30 or 8 o'clock, the 9, the noon. Like I was doing all the morning classes like every single day. Um, <laughs> and I just eventually just like, but they couldn't pay me. But I was like, I'll live off of what I saved. And I eventually just ran out of money. And I remember I had no groceries and I went to get breakfast and I couldn't afford breakfast. And I just went back to the gym and just sat in the gym and was like, well, this is what you're going to do, I guess. <laughs> and it's like, and like now it's my profession and I, right. and I, and I'm perfectly fine. Right. And it, but it's great. And it, and I had, I had a number of friends in my life that would be like dude you just need like some fucking groceries i'll buy you some groceries like like and i was i was lucky enough to have some friends like that right but that's a really that's a really big thing that when that starts happening to people especially after like they intern and they get a job and they're like oh this doesn't this right. doesn't just like reward me immediately i'm not on a, i'm not a, i'm not a, i'm not on like a like 100k a year salary all of a sudden right coaching coaching 10 classes a week like what's i didn't expect this that throws people for a loop a lot man I tell interns too, and this is the truth. I've, I've talked more people out of coaching than I've talked into it. Mm -hmm. intern. And I also only have of all my interns, I have more than a handful that's still like part-time coach. Mm -hmm. Like they have clients and do something else. Uh, but the vast majority of my interns no longer coach. Yeah. Um, I have one, my, my most recent intern I, I hired, I'll go into her. She's cool. Um, but then, uh, I have one intern who became, uh, and she was sort of like an intern under someone I worked for. Yeah. I was part of her internship experience, but she wasn't directly under me. Um, but she ended up now she works as like a massage therapist slash like trainer rehabber kind of deal. Yeah. Another kid, same thing. He was a, 
these were both interns at Trinity who I spent a lot of time with, but they weren't directly my interns. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's a full-time coach. Um, but that's it. You know, yeah. of like probably 20 kids I've, I've worked with. Uh, and then the one that I hired came in here two years ago. I, so I had only opened the, the spot here like six months prior. She's 18 years old, right? She's mm -hmm. like 4'11". And she just walked up to me and she goes, uh, you know, I have a high school uh, diploma. Uh, I can't afford to go to college, but I really want to do this for a living. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. uh, tell me more, right? And she had some certification I had never heard of, but ended up being kind of legit. I, yeah. I can't tell you what it is, I don't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah. Okay. getting her CPA now, um, her CPT. But, uh, and then I might have her go the TSAC route just to, just to have that. But um, yeah, so she, but she came in and she was just like, I can't afford to go to college. Uh, and every gym I go to won't let me intern because I don't have a college degree. Yeah. And I said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> like you're it starting here tomorrow. I, I don't have a college degree. Right. Yeah. And like I, 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 and I, dude, I'm such a, the thing that has been devalued in our society is the apprenticeship. Yes. Which to me is a, is a better way to learn. So I gave her literally a pile of textbooks, mm -hmm. including like, the block one methodology textbook. Yeah. And I was like, you need to read these and I'm going to ask you questions and write you quizzes for them. I'm, I'm a teacher. That's my background. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to, we're going to put you through some coursework and mm -hmm. it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. And she crushed it and she's become a long way as a coach and she's gotten a lot smarter. And I was like, all right, you're going to work here now. <laughs> like that's, you know, cause the nice thing is, is that's, when I get the kids coming out of college, especially, unfortunately, they have this mentality. They already know what they need to know to be in the field. Yeah. And it's, it's not the case. It's just not. And so it was great to have someone come in and be like, I want this so badly. She actually offered to pay me to intern here. Like really? she, yeah, she works as a dishwasher. Yeah. And she was like, I'll pay you to let me intern here. And I was like, this kid. That's wants awesome. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. this kid really wants it. So I, I decided, man, you're, 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 you're uh, if you can prove it, you're working here. You know, that's it. Yes. So she's, uh, she's come on staff. She only coaches a couple times a week just because we, uh, we can't afford to pay her any more than that. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the goal in the next year or two is to get her on full time. But she's, she's great. Man, and that's awesome. And that's like, that's always a really exciting thing to see with people because just that idea of like, if someone's been to other spots and been turned down and they're still pursuing this, that's already at least a level of curiosity and interest that most people don't have. Yeah. Right. right. Like um, when I wanted to intern at a at the first CrossFit gym I ever went to, I, they were like, well, we don't let people intern without their level one. Come to find out through the grapevine, they just didn't want an intern. Right. That's what they told me. So I didn't tell them because I, I was, a much different kid and I was super shy and was like, okay, whatever. I went and got my level one and then I came back and I, I got my, I'd had my, I had my one six months later and I came back. I was like, Hey, I got my one. Can I intern? And they're all like, Oh, and he, they literally were like, Oh, we didn't think you'd do that. And I was like, well, I've got it. So what's up? <laughs> and, and they just let me intern. Right. And I just, and it wasn't, I, it wasn't like a real like internship that they, they just called, they just called me the intern. I just, did the shit work and would like be left with classes sometimes. 
which is a shame. Like I, I envy people that got like an actual apprenticeship. Like yeah. so much of myself is like of my education is just self-taught and just sure. reaching out to coaches that are better than me and just reading everything I can and going to the symposium and going to seminars and like paying my own way. It's like, I love but I, I love it. I wouldn't change a thing about it, but it, no, it is, it is really cool to see somebody just be like, Hey, four other places have been like, Nope, we don't want you. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you. Like, can you help kid? Can I just do something? Well, and the craziest part was I, so I accepted all that and was just like, yeah, you know, come on board, intern, all that. And then, uh, one day I was like, I need, this was like a, this was a long time later, maybe a year later. Um, I just noticed she was always early, mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, oh man, I really like that you're always here like 10 minutes early. And I thought she was down the street. She was like, yeah, I have to drive an hour to get here. So I don't want to be late. And I was bad like, man. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So not, not only like all the other stuff, but she had traveled around the state looking for a place to go. Yeah, just a so, quick 60 minute commute, whatever. Right. Right. So, no, dude, that's all that that's 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 awesome. Um, what do you like? What do you guys with insert? So, like, if we're if we're on like the subject of coaching and developing coaches and stuff, what are ways that like you kind of like instill? What is it? What are, do you have any like mindset ideas that you would try to instill in coaches when they're interning and like ideas and like ways that you try to like influence them into like really understanding like this is what this takes and this is how this job can be super demanding, right? Yeah. Like, here's how you deal with it being you get the success of it just by like being proud of your athlete and being proud of your clients and yourself, but it's a very thankless job. Like <laughs> it's an incredibly thankless job being a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would say I focus a little less on that and a little mm -hmm. more on one of the biggest things I try to hit home with them is more more my values of what you're doing as a coach yeah um so the term this is you know i was an english major english teacher all this the term coach comes from the same latin roots as stagecoach mm -hmm. right so it means to guide to direct and to drive right yeah and, and so you have to find a way to be rewarded through that through you have to be you know to steal the power athlete radio joke a couple weeks ago you need to be the best supporting actor in all of these movies yes right that you know here's the luke summers it you have to be the the best supporting actor yeah. in all <laughs> and you won't get to be the star yep you know and uh the funny thing here is i i almost never call myself this so i don't do a lot of work with our professional athletes Mm -hmm. Not because they don't want to or because I don't want to, but because we're the best gym in the state and people travel from all over the state to get here. Mm -hmm. And it's unreasonable to ask them to come in and do everything all the time. Yes. Like a lot of our fighters drive 45 minutes to an hour to get here. So most of my work with them is drawing up programming they can do when they're not here or on the flip side, which I prefer, letting them really do what works for them because mm -hmm. they're already pro athletes and just send me your footage so we can work on your movement. Yeah. Right. And let me, let me coach up your movement 
we do a lot of work on nutrition, a lot of work on sleep. Um, but I'm never going to be, you know, any, any, at least especially anytime soon, I'm never going to be cornering guys in the UFC. I'm never going to be talked about on the broadcast. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm never going to be in that spotlight. But it's really cool because, you know, and it, it gets me a little emotional, but, like, I'll get texts from these guys when they're done with their fights. You know, like, they leave the, the cage and I get a text that says, I couldn't have done that without you. Yeah. You know, and then you're like, shit. Like that. <laughs> that though, and that, yeah, that's worth it, right? That's when you're like, oh, man, you know. Um, you know, we had, a, we had a girl uh, just fighting Bellator last night. Um, and and uh, Jess Mealy. And she fought Julia Budd, who mm-hmm. is a five in the world. You know what I mean? So uh, she didn't win. But sometimes it's, it's how you lose, not whether or not you win. Yep. And she lost well. She mm-hmm. put on a show. Uh, she, she looked like a contender in there, you know? And so we're super proud of her, uh, even, even in a loss. And she's such a humble, nice, respectful person. and such a good part of this gym, man. It was just great to see her out there on a big stage doing something great. Um, but, you know, the, the day before the fight, I got a text, and it was just like, thanks for everything you did for me during the fight camp. Yeah. Thanks for all stuff you know and and you know uh after the fight i shot her message just said hey really proud of you you know i mean you you were out there with a really good opponent and you came out with some game and, and showed them what you had and i just got back you know thanks for everything and thanks for having my back and all this stuff and that's that's what you work for yes you know it's not you're not going to be the guy or it's very very rare to be the person on the espn 30 for 30 or whatever right getting interviewed that that's a that's a little bit of luck in there and a little bit of timing and a little bit of you know just special stuff but but you can make a difference and that's the important part yeah and that's a that's a big thing that that I've always that I've always like I found it confusing with coaches when somebody wants to coach but they don't they're not excited by somebody else mm, right? yeah like somebody else's success um like I've I've met coaches that get angry when someone like PRs a lift because they can lift more than the other person can now lift more than them. <laughs> and people uh, at my old job, members would ask me, how do you know that you, when will you know that you've done your job enough? Right. Like, or like, how do you, or how will you know that you've done it well? Right. When will you be satisfied? Right. They would ask some version of that. And I would say when everyone in this gym is stronger than me and when everybody in this gym is faster than me, Right. That's what I, cause, and I said, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty strong guy, but and I'm not like incredibly fast, but I was like, I want everyone to just improve exponentially. Right. Right. And if, and if you're going to use me as a metric, then when you are way better than me, I know I did my job when you right. are way better than you ever were when you walked in here the first time, I know that I've done my job. Um, and it was cool, man. Like, I, like max out day is my favorite day. P, like, like benchmark day is my favorite day because I get to watch these people actually test what they've been building. Right? Like, it's awesome. I love it. We have our teen athletes when they have a game. Like, it's really cool to like hear about and find out whether or not they won, how they performed, sure. how they felt. Right? But it is the same thing. It's like it's a text message. It's a hug when somebody sees you. It's thank you. Right? But it's like it's not the it's not the same thing. <laughs> and it's it, it's awesome but it's like it, and it's got to be like 
you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to be the, you're going to, when they are ready to get back into training, you're the person that like, you're probably the first person they're going to see. Right. They're going to just come move around and shake it out with you. Right. And yeah, I always, you know, good. Sorry. No, I, I've worked um, with coaches uh, and, and with coaches who are all about, you know, how, how their life was impacted by the athlete. And it's like, dude, you're, you got it backwards. Yeah. You got it backwards. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, to bring back that, that stagecoach, right? The chariot, those are all coming from the same root word. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the rider is the important part. You're just the horse, you yeah. know, you're, you're helping them along, but their, their journey and their destination is what's important. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and uh, it's funny, the funny thing for me, and uh, most of the fighters here know this, I, like, can't watch them fight. Really? Oh, dude, I get so nervous. I'll watch, but I'm, like, in the corner, like, balled up. Yeah. Because not only are these athletes who train at my gym, uh, you, you can't have a place like this without them becoming your friends mm-hmm. uh, in some regard. And it's not... I watched my kids at Trinity play football, play hockey. I was at every hockey game. Not every hockey game. Most of the hockey games. Yeah. I traveled with the tennis team around sort of the area. Uh, I, was at, I was at every squash game. They have a really good squash team there. It was cool to watch. Um, cool. But, uh, you know, I, I, that I have no problem with. Watching someone you care about getting punched in the face and kicked in the ribs and choked out. Yep. And knowing how hard they work to get there, it's excruciating. And we have a, we have a saying here that I really like uh, that my, one of my teachers told me when I was really young, which was, uh, he asked me, he said, do you know what makes the martial arts special? And I said, you know, no, what? And he goes, people play basketball. People play hockey. No one's playing this. Yep. Right? Th- this is serious. Um, and it's just, that's, that's the truth. It's tough to watch. It's I'm sure, watch. man. And yeah. there's, there's this innately, like, it's, it, it's funny. Cause we'll, um, we'll watch the, we'll watch like, we'll watch like UFC events at our, at our apartment and we'll have friends over to watch. And like, I, I am the out of my friends group. I am like the only like diehard fight fan, the <laughs> only one. And like, but like they get, but like we get people over, they're like, I've never watched this before. And there's just, they've never watched it. They've only watched it with us. And like, when it starts, like everybody's talking and everybody's like just drinking beer or something and like not paying attention, except for me. I'm watching the whole, I watch from the early prelims all the way up to the main event. I watch every single fight. I love it. Right. Um, but by, I noticed that about right as that main card starts, people have started just like watching the TV. And then by the time you get a few more fights into that, people are excited. And, like, people are like, why am I stressed out? And I'm like, because you're watching what I think is the purest form of competition. Yeah. yeah. And there's something inside of you as a person, as a caveman still, that recognizes <laughs> that, right? That's like, they're just, they're just, they're physically fighting each other. And they're just seeing who wins. Yeah. Right? And it's like, uh, my, my favorite way I've ever heard it described is when you were a kid, or even just now, if there's a baseball game on one corner, a basketball game on the other, and a fight on the next one, everyone runs to the fight. Everyone runs and watches the fight. There's something in people that, that they want to know the outcome of a physical conflict. Right? It's like, I, 
I love my mom to death, but every time I was a kid, I'd, I'd get picked on a lot because I was a very small kid. Um, and I'd come home with like a bloody nose. And she, the first thing my mom would say was, did you win? <laughs> she'd be like, did you win? And I'd be like, yes. Or I'd be like, no. And she'd be like, okay, as long as you didn't start it. Right. But the first question was always, did you win? <laughs> and it's, but yeah, man, that, that kind of stuff is, it's, it's, it's really funny how, how visceral that stuff becomes. And I, I have never coached a fighter before. Um, so I can only imagine how stressful that is, but it's, I, I really like watching fighting and I really like martial arts because of how visceral and the kind of reaction it pulls out of people. I, I don't watch sports other than that. I watch them if they're on, I watch, I watch them if my friends are watching them and they want me to. And I like watching athletes move, but I don't follow anything except for combat sports. The only other sport I follow is basketball. Yeah. And it's because, you know, I, I'm from Connecticut, but I was born in Chicago and I grew up with the Bulls, with Michael yeah. Jordan. Mm -hmm. And my, my dad had season tickets and we would go watch Jordan play. Yeah. And so when you grow up watching that, it just makes you a basketball fan for life. I can only so imagine. I still watch a lot of basketball. Um, and I've already watched Last Dance like three times. Yeah. All the way. So good. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I grew up with like, a Jordan action figure. Like I was, that was, you know, we, 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 we moved here and we were like six or seven, I think mm -hmm. we Chicago for the first part of our lives. So. Yeah, if I had some family used to live there and we'd go there all the time and that, that city loves its sports. Oh yeah. Big really, time. really loves its sports. It was cool to see. It was cool to see. Yeah. Um, so what are some like, like keep keeping it about, I want to just ask some stuff about like training fighters, like, when someone comes in and like, let's say that like, you know, let's say they have a good foundation. Like, let's say they were a wrestler or something in high school. Uh, let's say before they got to you, they boxed a little bit or they, 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 they know what they're doing with their hands. Uh, they understand what's going on on the ground. Right. Or even say it's like a professional fighter already. Like, how do you approach strength and conditioning for this person? Like, how do you go about like, what are some, are there like some key elements that you think are more that are like, like paramount for fighters to get down. And I know everything comes back to specificity and like sort of like what what does the person need, right? right. But just as like a general like umbrella, do you think there's anything that fighters need or martial artists need as a, more than something else, right? Um, so, or, more than other, or more than other athletes. Yeah, yeah. so uh, let me think about, so the, the, the big thing is before anyone's allowed to fight out of here, um, they have to have a blue belt in jujitsu with rare exceptions. If you're, if you're a really solid wrestler, we'll pass on that. Yeah. And then you have to have competed in what's called the, a couple smokers, which mm -hmm. are kickboxing matches. Um, so that's sort of our bare minimum. So if they're going to be fighting, they already know how to fight. Yes. Um, yes. We are, we, well, right before the pandemic, we had just finished drafting up a, uh, like a strength and conditioning criteria test. Mm -hmm. It was uh, four, four, four tests and you had to score a certain thing on each test. And then we'd be like, all right, you're cleared to fight. Cause we, we were having such trouble with one or two of the fighters and their training and conditioning. Yeah. Um, most of the pro guys out of here, the pros mm -hmm. uh, do their own thing and will get guidance from me here and there. A lot of the, I work with a lot of the amateurs um, and I work with a lot of our, a lot of our, our folks who are like coming up 
and going to eventually be something. So they're not even amateurs yet. Uh, I work with a lot of those guys. And that's, again, largely because a lot of our pros just live far away. Yeah. And it's tough to, to work on. But, I mean, now to answer your question, so I, I always want to emphasize the fact that I'm not, I'm not a linchpin for these guys. I'm really yeah. not. Um, I, you know, in a perfect world, uh, they would all live here and I, I could be more. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the nice thing is, is um, they know I'm here if they need me. They lean on me when they, when they need me. Uh, I mostly, honestly, do a lot of work on their diets um, and then just getting them to, to move well and also just sort of like course correction. Because yeah. a lot of guys do a lot of bodybuilding uh, and they want to look really big and strong. And so my big course correction for them is like, no, 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 no. We need heavy threes and heavy fives, not heavy tens and twelves and fifteens. Yep. Uh, and getting them to sprint and getting them to work on their their uh, their endurance threshold stuff like that. But my my favorite thing written about martial artists is actually from one of Verkashansky's books. I can't remember which one. The gray cover, red 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 writing on it. Is that is that uh is that is that super training? No, I no. think super training has that. Maybe that has that same cover. I think I think, I, like, I think it does. I think it's like elements of strength and conditioning or something like that, mm -hmm. or some 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 name like that. But Verkashansky has this sort of compendium. He talks about how on one side of the compendium you have athletes like marathon runners and soccer players, and they need to be a certain kind of athlete. And then on the other side of the compendium you have. Uh, weightlifters and American football players and, you know, discus throwers, and they need to be on the other side of the compendium. And he says, everyone else will fall, you know, somewhere along this line. And the only athlete who needs to be in the middle is the dancer and the fighter. Yep. And those two that need to be able to have a little bit of everything. And um, that was the shame for me was if CrossFit was what it professed to be, it would be great for martial artists, yeah. But uh, or or if it was a structured approach, so we we do a lot of combining of different variables. You know, I, I work a lot on a little bit of everything. The one thing I really don't do a lot of is hypertrophy work because it is a weight class sport. Mm -hmm. So we put a lot of muscle on these guys unless they need to put a lot of muscle on, yeah. which is a rare case. Um, we spend a lot more time working on their nervous systems and working on their ability to potentiate the muscles they already have and, and, and build all that up. Uh, and then honestly, we, we put a lot, a lot, a lot of emphasis on their engine because yeah. you can be a little bit weaker and a little, and, and as long as you're, if you're a little more technical, you can be a lot weaker if you have a way better engine. Yeah. You can just push your opponent into the ground. And then when they're getting sloppy and you still feel fresh and your technique is on point because you're not tired, because if you're tired, it doesn't matter how good your technique is, it's going out the window. It's very, very hard to be technical when you're tired. Yes. So we do a lot of conditioning and a lot of work on that. And, um, you know, the, the, the toughest part of my job is making sure they don't do too much so they're not overloading uh, and not getting hurt and not getting run down. So I do a lot of monitoring on that with them and texting them, hey, how do you feel? How's it going? Da, da, da. Um, but, but we, we really hammer away at the engine because you just, there's no replacement for that. Yeah. If, if you're tired, you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. 
that's 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 what happens. So yeah, if, if you're tired and you slow down and somebody's trying to choke you out, it's really hard to fight back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or what even good, sorry. Breathing heavy and your your hands are dropping and you're not mm -hmm. moving the way you should and you you know, it's funny. You know, um, man, someone it might have been Scott Nick. Someone put something up in the Slack channel and it was like. They, they, they talk about it at the RPR cert too. And it's about how like when your nervous system is taxed to a certain degree, mm -hmm. you all can't even hear your corner, you know? So it, we, we, you could be yelling like, man, he's dropping his right, throw that kick, you know, da, da, da. And even in these empty arenas, you're not, you're not hearing it. Because yeah. you're strained from just trying to stay alive that it, it doesn't matter. So. No, I'm with you. Um... What about like, uh, so something that always comes to mind with me, especially when, um, when I'm at, so when I, when I'm at like jujitsu and stuff, it's, uh, people kind of like, and like, I have some dude, my buddy, somebody's back home to do jujitsu and they'll like shoot me questions about like, not jujitsu like training, but about like how to get stronger and like prehab and rehab. Um, and man, it, it amazes me sometimes like the, the skill ability doesn't line up with like the the like the physical manifestation of that athlete right it's like man you're really you're really like you're a high level like purple belt or like you're a really good brown belt but your shoulder stability shit right like it's like what how the fuck did this happen right, right? like it, it blows my mind sometimes so like for like and i i think a lot of people are usually kind of surprised because like i'll put them through like a little assessment or i'll ask them or just like even if it's just like a little questionnaire and then I'll give them advice. And the advice is often not, I need you to come squat and deadlift every week. It's like, I need to, I need, we, I need us to sure up some of these issues and then we'll worry about getting you super strong. But right now you can't even use your shoulders correctly, but you can invert underneath somebody and like, and roll into like knee bars, but you can't like, but you can't, yeah, you can't stabilize. You can't stabilize through your hip. Like what is, this is, this is strange. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like, do you guys have any like prehab and rehab protocols that you like like to use? Is that part of it, or, do, or are you mainly just concerned about the conditioning and then? Oh no, we do a ton of strength and conditioning and stuff. We 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 do a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a big fan of. I wouldn't say I screen people. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't do any sort of like particular screening system here. But what I'll do is, you know, someone usually comes up and says, man, my elbow feels a little wonky. My, my shoulder feels kind of strange. And we have two really good in-house massage therapists. Yeah. And uh, they'll usually send me a message and say, hey, there was a lot of weakness in, you know, the, the posterior delt over here or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, check that out. So we sort of have a detective team. And yeah. we uh, – figure out sort of, all right, well, this guy's not stabilizing because his left lat's just so weak. And we got we to shore that up. So we, we do a ton of that. Um, something else you said sparked something for me, though. I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, you know, uh, one thing, as, as someone who's been in martial arts for a long time, there's, there's a big stigma against strength and conditioning. Yeah. Uh, a lot of martial artists. And um, it's funny because there's really two camps. There are guys who believe in it who are like, yeah, this is really important. And then the other side is kind of like, ah, it's not that important. It's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and those are the ones who get hurt. Uh, and, and, you know, the uh, – and I think there's maybe a third camp that says, well, 
I understand it's important, but I really like doing jujitsu and I only have two hours to train today. So I'm going to do two hours of jujitsu yeah. and not do the thing I should be doing because they don't find it enjoyable, which is, yeah. I get it. Um, so a big part of me is talking about that mindset. I actually drew a graph for an athlete today. And um, so I basically explained to them, you know, here's, here's on this line, we have your capacity, your capability, whatever, right? Yeah. And then you have time. And so if you're taking care of your recovery and taking care of your body, you know, you're going to see this slow, gradual, steady incline. If you don't do that, eventually we're going to drop off, we're going to get hurt, or we're going to have, you're going to have to take time off because you're sick, whatever, right? But mm -hmm. injury or sickness, uh, I think it's actually an old well-born quote, uh, like some, life forces deloads, something like that. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get hurt or have an injury or something. And now we're going to have to take a month off. And do you see how, if we hadn't taken that month off, see how much higher the graph point would be that, you know, and now yeah. imagine that's happening twice a year, every year. And imagine how much we could have, you know, and you saw the light bulb go off in the head where they were like, Oh man, I could be getting way better if I wasn't getting hurt all the time. And so that's important to go over with them and just sort of get that in their heads. Um, but it's, it's this kind of thing too, where I don't, I don't try to force anything on anyone just because I try to be reasonable with these guys. Cause especially with fighting, a lot of these folks, they've got kids, they've got families, they've got jobs. And so if I can get them for 15, 20 minutes to come over and do some banded shoulder work, yeah, come over and do some, uh, some hip work or some, uh, some single leg stuff, just to sort of work on their knees, you know, though that's, those are the big wins. Mm -hmm. Those are the big, and uh it's been really cool watching some of the even some of the pro guys come over and uh you know just showing them like a active foot single leg split squat you know yeah and i had never had exposure to that and they come over you know i show it to them and i don't see the guy on my side of the mats for a month that's usually how it goes mm -hmm. i see him and i see him again in a month and they come over and they go hey that thing you showed me changed everything yeah and that adds to the buy-in and you're like, okay, good. Let's keep going. You know, and uh, a lot of the younger kids here are a little more into it, but a lot of the old hats are sort of like, you got to pull them by the teeth. It's rough. I bet. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Cause like, that's actually, that's how I, uh, some of you said sparked it though. Like that's how I usually explain lifting <laughs> to people and like why it's important to be strong, like for a physical activity is I'm like, it's just injury prevention, man. Yeah. It's just, it's just armor. It's just, no, it's knowing how to move your body. It's coordinating your body. It's your body understanding how it works itself. And it's just going to make you, it's going to make it harder for you to get hurt. Correct. Right. And that's, yeah. I'm just like, it's injury prevention more than it's anything else. And I've told, I have a buddy at jujitsu right now who like, he wants to start lifting again. He wants to get strong and he's, he's stuck and like and it always comes up it's like well you know i don't really like care about my deadlift number and i was like i don't either <laughs> i was like deadlifting is a means to an end i don't need you to be a like a, an elite level power lifter right i was like i was like it's it's just a, it's just like the prescription will match what you need right. right and it's interesting that like but it's because people don't you know they don't understand it so then you get them in you explain it to them you tell them but the thing that always gets people attention is people's attention is when you say, or when I say it's like, it's injury prevention. 
Right. Uh, right. If you're getting hurt rolling too much, you should probably get stronger, and that'll probably get better. You should also maybe take a minute and roll a little bit lighter if you're getting hurt all the time. Like, there's yeah. probably something going on. Yeah. The, the resiliency component is so important for these guys because – because it is a – I'm actually – it's funny. I'm writing a blog post for uh, – I'm, I'm going to have a lot to talk about it. I'm writing a blog post for Power Athlete about this topic, about jiu-jitsu people. I don't, think, do I don't think we signed an NDA anywhere. No, either. Yeah. Uh, so, then, and the, the whole – one of the things I focused on was this idea of if you're not getting hurt, you know, just think about how much more time you have to get better. Yes. And how much less likely you are to quit. I've seen so many kids quit over injuries. It's, 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 and it's heartbreaking because you watch, you know, I, I watch a lot of NBA stuff and I see kids get hurt on like non-contact injuries. And you know, that guy just needs a better strength coach. Yep. And it hurts to know that it hurts to be like, I'm not, I don't even think I'm that good. And I could fix that guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is really simple. Right. And this is um, probably a problem that somebody could have seen coming. Yeah, you know, I look at uh, Gordon Hayward uh, on the Celtics, and he came out. I think he was started with the Jazz a couple of years ago, and he's just such a promising athlete, and he's probably never going to have an impact because every year he gets hurt. And it's always something along the chain between the ankle and the knee, and it's just like this guy just needs to shore that up, and he'll be fine. Yep. He's, he's got great game sense, and he's got a great talent, but he's going to keep on getting hurt until he learns to shore that stuff up. Mm-hmm tragic yeah man and it and that's that's always the thing that like i i always i wish i like i wish that more people would invest in good coaching and like quality coaching because when they finally do like it might cost you but it's like i've i've yet to run into a person that's invested in it and been like that was not worth it right not worth it at all i've met people that have invested in bad coaches Right. And they don't see improvement and they feel like their time is being wasted. And like they give it a legitimate shot and nothing improves. Um, and then there's something like that was a waste of time. I'm like, yes, that would be a waste of time for anyone. Having a beer with that person is probably a waste of time. Like right. <laughs> you're not going to learn a, a, a damn thing. Um, right. But people that like invest in like find good coaches. Like I've never met anyone that's like, you know what? My deadlift went up by 50 pounds. I move like a machine and I, I PR'd everything, but that was not worth it. Right. <laughs> yeah. No one, no one's like that. I feel better than I ever have. Not worth it. Yeah. No one does well, the, that. The funniest thing too is, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I've only been here full time for, it's almost three years now, mm. but the longer I'm here, the more a lot of the martial artists sort of have been coming over to my side of the mats. And, uh, I got some good buy-in from some of the, cause I've been training here for about a decade. Yeah. You know, as, as a student and as like, you know, that kind of thing. So I got a good buy-in from guys who knew me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you only go to a certain time slot for classes. You don't know everybody. That's just the way it goes. Um, but uh, as I, you know, the, the, the best thing for my, my side of the mats has been a lot of the newer kids come on and I have produced some really dangerous white belt and blue belt jiu-jitsu guys yeah you know, these, these guys who are getting their blue belts really fast because they're in good shape and they move well and yeah. they're strong and that allows them to be a little more aggressive uh and i have some we have some nasty blue belts who've been doing a lot of training and you know and you know and it's funny because 
uh, the one of the, my favorite things to do is, you know, someone will come up and say like, Hey, you know, so-and-so I couldn't beat him in a role. He was too strong. And I say, well, you know, you could be strong too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they go, Oh yeah, you're right. You know? And then they start taking the classes and, and doing the, the other thing I do is I, I let them have, uh, access to the, we do a train heroic deal. Mm -hmm. All of our programming is to train heroic. Same here. And, uh, yeah. And I let people like, you know, obviously you, you can buy onto the program, but I, I let the fighters, I give them an access code, especially the ones who can't, they, I have a few guys who just don't do it because they can't make it here. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, here's the access code, do it somewhere else. Yeah. And it's really cool to watch them logging in, putting the time in, putting the effort in and being like, hell yeah, that's, that's good. You know, that's yep. going to be a big difference. And one of the kids, man, um, you know, uh, has been putting it in. He's, he's, he's just, he's great, man. He puts in real good effort, real good time. He's really coachable and his body looks different. I saw him coming. I, he hasn't been, he hasn't been to a class in probably a month, Yeah. but he's been doing the programming and, uh, he came in for class yesterday and I was like, dude, what? Like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. I've been lifting. And yeah, looked, weird. Weird how yeah. that works. He looks strong. And he's moving good weight. And uh, I watched, I stayed a little bit, watched him kickbox a little bit. And I was like, hell yeah, man. This is great. Yeah. So uh, that's been good. That's awesome, man. And it's, and it's kind of cool. Like, I, I, I always appreciate, especially, I always appreciate when there is kind of that fluidity, with, fluidity within coaching across many across any field right when it's not like this is the way do it this way if you're not doing it like this go right yeah. which places have their curriculums right if it works for you it works for you. if you're after a certain type of clientele whatever it's not my thing right um since we moved since i moved to kentucky a little less than a year ago so i've been here for less than a year um the first place that i went for jujitsu every single class and it's fine like people there were nice they were cool but like every single class the instructors would always tell me you can't just be the strong guy and i'm like i'm not trying to just be the strong guy i'm trying to do it right <laughs> like i'm trying to do it correctly like i and it's like at a certain point you can't help that you're strong almost right <laughs> like it almost feels like it's like it's like dude i'm, I'm, I'm attempting to do it correctly um, right and then when i went to this when i go to, i go to the spot that i go to now when I got there, I was rolling with, um, I was rolling with my buddy Ethan, and he looked at me half, and I think I think he's a brown belt. Yeah, I think he's he's a brown belt. And we were rolling, and he like, he looked at me at the end of the at the end of the roll, and he said, he said, "What do you? How much do you weigh?" And I was like, 245 pounds." And he said, "Then why are you trying to roll with me like you weigh 170?" <laughs> and I was like, "I just." He's like, "You're big. You're strong. Use it." Right. He's like, he's like, use it. He's like, he's like, you're, he's like, you know how to control your base. You have really good pressure, but you won't put it on me. Yeah. He, and he's like, just use it. And it's completely changed my jujitsu game. It's completely changed it. Just having that fluidity because then I've also heard other people talk about like, like be like, Hey, you weigh 150 pounds. Maybe a pressure passing game is not going to be your thing. Right. right? Yeah. Like there's gotta be that fluidity within it. It's, and it comes back to like, uh, like an S and C coach too. that idea of like, you don't have to be here doing it and right. you can tweak it. You can tweak it where you need it. Right. But, but you just have to get it done. The end result is still that you get a tap or that you get the win right. or that you get stronger. Right. The for me has been, I'll get to your, I have a cool story about the, uh, the other part of that in a second, 
But the benefit for me is that I, I watch them train because mm -hmm. they're, they're here for their wrestling, their jiu-jitsu, their striking. And so I can just walk over and say, hey, come over here for five, ten minutes. And I can show them one thing. And I can say, hey, I know you've been training on your own, doing your own thing. Add this in. Yeah. You know, or because um, when you get good at, you know, seeing it, you can say, all right, there's definitely some lateral stability issues there, right? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, hey, come show me how you squat you know, and then you see it and you're like, well, there's the problem, you know, mm -hmm. the whole thing's collapsing. So, Hey, try this, try that. And I always tell them the same thing. It's almost like a money back guarantee. I say, try it for two months. If you get worse, we never have to talk again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back to doing whatever you were doing and that's fine, but just try it. And they do. And then they come back and they say, Oh my God, my knee feels better. My ankle feels better, whatever. Um, but to your, to your point about strength, when I first started, I was, I was pretty strong. And um, my, my first instructor, who I, I still love, he's retired now. I, I love him dearly. Yeah. Uh, he said, um, don't use your strength, you know? And I was like, all right, I guess. And then uh, there was a day, I was like a year and a half, two years into training. He took me aside and he said, it's time to use your strength now. Yeah. You know, cause it was what he meant was, and this guy is super Brazilian. So yeah, like, you know, not a great English, but uh, what he meant was if you use your strength now, you're not going to learn. Yeah. You miss a lot, you know? And then once I, once I had a base, he came to me and he goes, now's the time it's time to flip the switch, you know? Yep. And uh, another great thing, we got a black belt who uh, cross trains here sometimes. He's a super, super nice guy. Uh, a little older, retired cop, super great dude. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was rolling with him one day and I was just trying to like show deference. Cause one, you're the black belt and two, you're like, you know, 50 something. I don't want to muscle the shit out of you. Yeah. And uh, we roll. It's a good roll. I actually love rolling with the guy. I, I always learn from him when I roll with him. It's one of those guys, you know, yeah. he's the, the sage and we finished rolling, you know, we, we shake hands and he said, let me ask you something. And he says, uh, when when you're rolling with these little guys and he points to one of like our really good you know smaller dudes he says does he ever slow down for you because you're bigger than he is and i said no and he said good so don't don't you ever stop being strong if you're the strong guy yeah you know, they're not yeah. going to slow down for you so don't don't be weak for them yep and i love that that's awesome i love that because because that's you not not to be that guy but usually the people who are telling you not to be the strong guy they're not strong, you Correct. know, <laughs> yeah. Correct. And, and it's, but, but they have an attribute. They're not going to turn down. Yeah. Right. They're not going to pull back on what they have. So you shouldn't pull back on your tool set either. And it's, and it's one of those things where um, like my coach now he'll, he'll, he'll usually be like, he'll be like, dude, like you're really strong. He's like, this is going to be something that suits you really well. And then he's right. also really honest. He's like, he's like, you're also really tall and you're thick. He's like, so this one's good. This thing's going to be harder for you to get down. Um, and I always think of it as I don't want, I, because I'm like, I'm so inherently a student. I'm like, I don't want my strength to be like, because uh, people would be like, was that even hard for you? And I'm like, well, no, because I did it right. I was like, I, I, I swept you when we're drilling and I'm not like just tossing you. Right. Right. Because I want to be able to do it. I don't want my strength to be my first line of defense or offense. Right. But as soon as we start rolling and like, we're actually like, like training, training, it's like, okay, now I can use it. 
Yeah. Right. Cause now I know the motion, I know the movement, I can just apply it in like in that movement pattern. Right. Sure. Um, and man, there's a huge, there's a huge advantage in like, and especially like I always tell people like that ability to lift and like skill, like in the, in just movement work and what that does for your ability to acquire skills is amazing. Right. Cause you just know where your body is in space. Right. You just understand where it is. Right. Like, and you just, and it, I'm, and I'll like, we'll be rolling. I just have the thought in my head. I'm like, okay, if he puts pressure there, there's physically only one way that I could move right along that pressure line. So I can either go with it or I can just sit back into my base and make him work a little bit harder. Right. Like, it's just like, it's like, if I, if I transition this way, he is inevitably going to be able to train. It's like, it's really cool. It's really, I love it. It's re, it's a really cool thing to experience. And I've been doing it for, for a little while and I did a bunch of it when I was a kid, but I mean, it's it, like, I was not in shape when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. So same back on it. The ability, how fast I improve now is night and day as compared to when I was younger. And I can, I can tell you, especially on kickboxing, uh, and that was um, when they started doing this, like, uh, the dietary thing. Mm-hmm. I hopped on it because I was already trying to lose weight. Because when I uh, – about – well, before the quarantine started, I was 220. Um, largely because I, as a hobby, would compete in strongman. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And I love strongman. Yeah. 220 was a really safe weight for me to be at while training. Uh, to avoid injury and uh, be able to put up a lot of weight. Um, but I don't really do it. I haven't done it in a couple of years. And I thought, hey, it's time to go back to your martial arts body. And I got down to about 205, 210. And I just couldn't seem to budge the needle. And I've been 170, you know? Yeah. I was like, what's going on? And so when they, they were like, hey, you know, we're doing this leaning protocol. Do you want to try it out? I leapt on it. And now I'm down to like 187. And my kickboxing is tremendously better. And that's really more my sport anyway, uh, at least historically. I've put more time in that than anything else. Um, so that, that feels way better. And it's just people don't realize, like, and we, we do a ton of, you know, actually this is for one of your earlier questions. One thing I do a lot with martial artists is unilateral work. Yeah. We do a ton of unilateral pushing, pulling, squatting, you know, single leg RDLs, everything. I mean, we do a lot of single side work um, and a lot of like explosive single leg bounding, things like that. And a lot of these guys don't realize like my kickboxing is good, but the reason I'm doing better than you right now is because you're tired and I'm not. And I have the capacity to keep pushing through this. Yes. Uh, from from what I've done on the other side of the mats, so man, and that's it. That's a huge thing that people miss, man. It's just you'll be better. You will be better for it, right? Um, well, well, I've got a fellow fight fan here. I gotta, I gotta ask you for some predictions, <laughs> like some upcoming events. I got, I got to <laughs> run it. Uh, two fifty two is two fifty two. The next one is it or is it three? The it's two or three. Uh, it's the it's could be it's uh it's Adesanya and Costa, right? So yeah, that that's coming up. I I think that one's next, and then Khabib and Gaethje's after that. I that's think. it. Yeah, two fifty three is next. I'm sorry, you're right. So okay, Izzy Izzy and Costa, who they want to fight each other, both undefeated, <laughs> both undefeated, like both strikers. What do you what do you think of that? Oh man. 
Adesanya is so good. Right. Um, I don't. It's funny because I, I, I would like to see how he would respond to a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just curious on that. But I don't think Haas is the one to beat him. Yeah. Um, you know, I just – I think he's so, so talented, especially on his feet. Um, he's a fun cat to watch, too. He really yeah, is. He's, he's um, awesome. I would never bet against him. I, I think I think he'll take that. Yeah. Um, I, they added uh, the Dominic Reyes and Jan Blachowicz fight to that card, too, for the light heavyweight title. Who do you think takes that? I mean, not to be extra – inflammatory or uh, controversial. <laughs> oh, no. I know what you're going to say. I, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Champ, so you, t- you think what? I think Reyes should already be the champ. Oh, I no, I agree, too. John Jones lost that fight. Yeah. So John I Jones, think- he lost that fight so hard. I don't know what – I don't know what the judges were watching. I was so angry. I was, I was I so Reyes mad. I the belt right now. Yeah. So, uh, so I think Reyes will take that. Um. I, Reyes is talented. He, he's really, really good. Um, I, I think he'll. I think he'll pull that out, and I hope he does because I, I. think he should already have the belt. Yeah. What about uh, Khabib and Gaethje? That's a tough one, man. Because I've I, I've met Gaethje. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trained around here a couple times, and we've crossed paths. And he is a good dude, and he's he's fought. Who did he fight? He fought someone I think from from here like fucking forever ago when he was still like a nobody. Yeah. Uh, and he beat the crap out of whoever he was. He <laughs> um, he's, he's, he's very, very good, but he's a very nice guy too. And, uh, and I, I like him as a guy. Uh, I, I would like him to win, but Khabib is so good. Um, it's one of those things where a guy like Gaethje always has a shot. Yeah. Cause his hands are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so technical on his feet. Uh, not, I don't know if I'd say technical, but he's he's a killing machine on his feet. Do you, would you um, say I think he has the striking advantage? Oh yeah, yeah. The fact that he didn't kill Tony Ferguson, like literally kill him, is amazing to me. And that's also Tony Ferguson has a supernatural and eerie level of toughness. That was so weird to watch. I was that's like, how so crazy? Uh, I remember watching that and thinking Ferguson was going to go down a bunch of times, and he just kept standing there. It's creepy, um, man. El Kikui, yeah. wow. Yes. Uh, but I think if – I mean, I, well, I know if Khabib can get his hands on him, uh, Khabib, will, Khabib will probably win. He'll have, um, have a hard night. If he can get him against the fence, I think yeah. that's his best chance. I don't know if he'll take – I don't know if he'll be able to – do you think he can take Gaethje down in the open, away from the cage? Gaethje's got good takedown defense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if – I mean, but Khabib's a phenomenal wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, tough call. I, I will tell you again not to play like I hate playing the personal side of things, but uh, my our our head coach met Khabib at the last UFC they were at, yeah. and said he's like he's everything you want him to be. He's a super nice, really humble guy. Like it's not like a thing he does for like the the, the cameras. He's just like really good dude, and I think the reason I bring that up is I don't think Khabib has any illusions about who he is or what he does mm-hmm. he has a really good understanding of where he's at technically and where his strengths are yeah and i just 
part part of me wants to see i don't want to what i don't want to see we've just we've talked about this i don't want to see khabib and gsp at all no i just um, don't care about that fight at all yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't know where it came from i don't know why it showed up it showed up yeah. long before khabib said that i just don't give a shit i think khabib could take out gaethje and then i would love to see him retire um, but I, I think he'll take a second uh, McGregor fight. Yeah. And then retire, because that's going to be a huge money fight. Yep. So that's a good way to go out, and I, I, I think he'll beat McGregor again. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think McGregor ever wins that fight. Nope. Um, nine nine but, times out of ten. Ten times out of ten. <laughs> Khabib wins that fight every time. Yeah. Uh, and n- nothing against Connor. Just I, I think it's a bad matchup. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, that's I'm actually – there's very few fights uh, – Scott, Nick, and I were joking about this. There's very few fights I stay up late for. Mm-hmm. I'll stay up to watch Khabib and Gaethje. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I'll, I'll probably watch 253 too because that, that Reyes fight is good and the Adesanya's fight is going to be really good. Yep. Um, so those are both – those are both really good. Um, I, if, I, if I was pressed, you know, gun against my head, I would give it to Khabib. Yeah. I would give it and- to Khabib. And the uh, the only other uh, yeah, one of the only questions is Poirier and Ferguson. Do you think they should be matched up? I've I've heard I've heard people even start talking about that they should be matched up for a number one contendership after they take on the winner of Khabib and Gaethje. Um, I or think. Who, the- or who do you think they should fight next? Rather, if that's a better way to ask it. Yeah, I think that's a good next fight. Yeah. Um- I think it makes sense. Yeah, I also kind of think that – I don't know that Poirier has to prove anything else either. That's that's my only thing about that. That's my only thing about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no problem with that fight. I think it's a good fight. But I don't know that he has to earn a title shot. I think that he's – he should really just sort of have that that shot. Yep. Um, So – Honestly, I'd love to see Poirier versus Gaethje again for the title. That'd be cool. Which is one of the reasons I'm kind of pulling for Gaethje in the Khabib fight <laughs> is I want to see that rematch because I think they'll give – if Khabib drops that fight, I think they'll give Poirier the next title shot. Oh, yeah. I would hope so. And I would love to see that rematch because I think Dustin wins it again. Yeah. I think he wins it now, again. I'll tell you what I don't is uh, they booked Silva, and I – just retire, man. Yeah. yeah. Retire. Yeah. It's like, it's okay, man. You're, you are, he's like the very real arguments there for like the baddest dude to ever live. Sure. You're you're good. You're good. You did it. You did it. My JKD coach went to a seminar with him uh, years ago and he said, and my, my instructor is, is a bad, bad man. Mm -hmm. Said the weirdest thing about meeting Silva was he said, uh, when you think about his striking, it was like there was a joke going on and only he knew about it, you know, like he, cause he was just like, it, it was like the whole thing was just, he just had the cheat code, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, he's, he's phenomenal. And I just wish it hurts me to see some of these guys coming back, uh, for the money or for the pride, whatever. And it's just mm-hmm. like, man, just hang it up. Yeah. Hang it up. I wasn't happy. So, wasn't happy with what? Sorry. To see him get booked again, to see Anderson back on a card. And I know, I know they said he has like two fights left on his contract. 
Yeah. I think that, but I think this might, I think, uh, but in like, that doesn't mean anything. Right. <laughs> Especially for a guy like him. Um, it's like, you can be done. Like, there's no way that you can't just be done. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think you should be at this point, but yeah, I, mean, I could talk about that stuff all day, but I think we got through, we got through the list I had in front of me. Um, so last thing we kind of do is I always just kind of want to know just the first thing. There's two things. First thing, shameless plug. So tell us where we can find you, your gym, your coaches, your people, whoever you want to plug, like where can we find your programming? Just let us know real quick. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, the program we do here is really cool. Uh, not to, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but the way I look at it is it's a lot like five or sorry, six days a week of like the same kind of feeling you'd get from like the grindstone mandatory a kind of deal. Yeah. So sort of like, and it's, it's very CrossFit football asks too, cause that's what I like to do back in the day mm -hmm. with some longer pieces. But uh, we're on train heroic as underdog fitness. Um, and that's our, and you know, I, I, I talk with a lot of guys about this, you know, the term fitness is sort of like a bad word now, but at its root fitness means readiness. And my, my goal is to get these guys ready to fight. So that's, that's what we use that for. Um, our gym is what I would prefer people to follow on Instagram. Uh, it's underdog MMA CT on Instagram. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a neat way to look at what we're doing. We're trying to up our social media game. It's not great right now. Um, Man, if you if you're in the Connecticut area, we're we're a great place to train. But that's uh, I know not everyone listening is going to be around here. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my personal Instagram is Johnny Durrett, so D U R R E T T. And I try to put up some good content here and there, but I need to work on that too. So um, yeah, it's good. Social times. media is weird, man. Social media is it, real weird. I actually just deleted my Facebook. I had I had it uh, deactivated for a month, and I just got rid of it completely. Yeah. And it feels amazing. Yep. I'm so glad it's gone. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm strongly playing around with getting rid of mine. Yeah. I, I keep in touch with a lot of distant family that way and like some old friends, but I mean, but, I, but you I know, just don't like it. It's gotten me to pick up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, uh, I called my dad yesterday cause I just missed him. Yeah. And normally I'd like post me on Facebook or send a message or something. And I called him and I was like, like how, you know, we had a great conversation. And I was like, I wouldn't have done this if I was like, if I was telling myself like, Oh, I'm doing enough through social media. Yeah. I might not have picked up the phone and made the call. So I thought that was great. Um, that's awesome, man. The last question I usually ask is just something along the lines of if you had like sort of a message or a platform, or do you have some sort of like, like creed that you follow or that you'd like people to know about, like, what would it be? What's your message to people that like, just from you as a coach or a person, man, what do you hope, you know, what do you hope to instill in people? Yeah, so we, we do this really neat thing here. Uh, at the end of every uh, strength and conditioning class, um, I bring everyone into the whiteboard, and we actually – I pick a quote, and we sort of talk about the philosophy behind it, uh, which has been a lot of fun. And everything sort of roots back. I'm really big on, like, Zen Buddhism. That's sort of my jam. Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of stoicism, which I believe is the Western Zen Buddhism. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm really big on just as, – as corny as it sounds – uh leading with love you know yeah and uh teaching my athletes because as a strength coach you have a unique platform with an athlete where you, you see him a lot and you can talk to him a lot about different stuff and it's easy to talk to these guys about one day 
your sport's going to end, your activity is going to end, you're not going to be doing this anymore, or it's going to change, right? And it's not going to be what it was. Yeah. So what do, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to leave? And I, I encourage people to leave love, man. And uh, to, you know, there's an old Confucius um, adage, which is uh, the good master is always training his replacement. Yeah. And you need to do that everywhere in your life, whether it's at work, at home, uh, with your hobbies, hanging out with your friends. If you were to go tomorrow, what, what kind of legacy would you want to leave in the people that you interact with? And, and I hope it's something that has to do with just being a good person and, and helping people out and, and leading with love. And, and I think that's, you know, as corny as it sounds, the way that we make things better. Yeah. So that, that's it. Person to person. That's awesome, man. Um, well, dude, that was awesome. I appreciate having you on. Hope everybody Absolutely. enjoyed the conversation. But uh, yeah, dude, we'll have you on again for sure. That was a good time. Hey, absolutely, man. Anytime. Of course, bud. All right. Take it easy.